Welcome to Why in the World. My name is Ben Shepard. If you haven't rated, reviewed or subscribed yet, please go and get that done for us. It really helps us out in those charts. And thank you for all of the nice reviews that are coming in on the podcast pages and also on our Instagram at Why in the World Pod. If you don't follow that yet, go and pop that follow and I will follow you back. Today's a little bit of a different episode, actually. My guest is the owner of award-winning family blog, Potty Adventures. His name is David Meller. I've been following David for a little bit, and I wanted to get him on because he's got a real passion for the outdoors and sharing it with the next generation as well. I wanted to share this conversation with you because I'm sure people like David are going to inspire the next generation of adventurers. This is David Meller on Why in the World. You've not got a bad spot here, have you? Not a bad spot at all. Big uh, up North Ball in North Wales. It's a beautiful little village, yeah. I feel like we should actually be recording this outside tonight. We probably should be. It's a little bit ironic that, yeah. that we're not. The reason I wanted to get you on, mate, is um, I've been following your blog for a little bit, Potty yeah. Adventures, which uh, you can go and follow on Instagram if you don't yet, and go and follow the blog and the Facebook page and all of that as well. I really got intrigued by the way you are passing the outdoors down to your kids. Let's start with you and your life. Where did the love for the outdoors begin for you? Very similar story, really. My mum. My mum, massive inspiration. It's a funny one, isn't it? You don't really sort of acknowledge how good your parents were until you're a parent yourself, probably. Mm. And my mum was a single parent, worked full-time, um, and was a member of a, a work-based ramblers group. Um, and because she was a single parent and had no one else around, sort of locally, because all of our family live away in Nottingham as well, um, used to take me along. And so from the age of sort of six, seven, eight, I was in the Derbyshire Hills, around Buxton and little bits of the Peak District, um, following my mum's rambling group and literally the only kid there for a little while <laughs> with, uh, chasing some whippets I remember collecting limestone rocks and collecting them in my backpack how the hell I managed to um, carry it around I don't know and from there she got me involved in Cubs and Scouts and just because I was I was involved in the outdoors for, from such an early age the outdoors has always been a part of my life so it seems natural that my kids spend as much time as possible outdoors what is it about the outdoors for you that is so special it's freedom it's freedom relaxation being active in you know anyone can go to a gym I've had various gym memberships that I've never fully committed to over the years uh, as most people could probably uh, you know relate to but bouncing along on a treadmill, watching a little TV screen in front of you, I don't care how many miles you, you crank out that night, it's never, it can never compare to the miles that you could get in, whether it's the same running, trail running, walking, hiking in the outdoors, climbing, and being surrounded by the beauty that we have here in the, in the British Isles. It's I'm genuinely lucky to live in this gorgeous part of North Wales. Um, and we've got trails right from our doorstep. Um, and the fact that I can come in from work, I can choose between the TV, my phone, or hitting one of those trails. And invariably, we're hitting one of those trails. <laughs> Do you feel like the UK is underrated? Massively, massively underrated. You know, people, I remember growing up sort of as a, maybe as a, a younger teenager, and like looking, because of my love for the outdoors and that had been sort of instilled in me by my mum, I, I used to look at places like 
New Zealand, Canada. I've always had this fascination with Canada, looking at the Rockies and lakes. And you think to yourself, okay, bigger scale, higher peaks. But actually, what we have on our doorstep is, is beautiful, absolutely remarkable. When you were a kid and you were growing up and you were going on those rambles with your mum and stuff and the other kids were maybe getting into like games consoles and things like that, what did they think about you and all this stuff you used to do when you were a kid? Um, it's a funny one because I think because my mum was su- such a good parent, I had a really, really balanced upbringing. So I'm not going to deny for any any minute now that I didn't have consoles. I, I remember I was a proper Nintendo kid. <laughs> I, had the, I had the original NES with the, you know, the original Mario on there. Um, I then went to the, I remember having an N64, a GameCube, um, a Sega Game Gear, one of the first colour handheld consoles. You see how passionate you get. Yeah, yeah, I was was a little gamer as well, but I had that balance in my life and I think that's massively what's missing from a lot of kids' lives today, that they are just so one-dimensional. I'm a teacher and I see it in school all the time. You talk to kids about their interests and you you talk to them about their interests because you're trying to get some of their interest into the work that you want to set for them to, you know, to demonstrate some passion. And they're just so one-dimensional with their, mm. with their interest levels. So for me, it's just always been that, that balance of spending time outdoors, being active, playing sports, doing what I want, but then also, yeah, now and again, I'll have a chill out. Where does that one-dimensionalness come from, do you think? I think it's just a, sh- a slow shift that society, unfortunately, is is going through. And I say going through, I think it, it's not stopped, unfortunately. I think it, it gets worse and worse, you know. National Trust did some research a couple of years ago, and they estimate now that, that, that 15-year-olds now spend about half as much outside as their parents' generation. And, you know, they're talking about now, that's like four hours a week. Four hours in the outdoors a week. There was another statistic, um, I think it was the Forestry Commission came out with it, one in ten kids in this country haven't visited a woodland, lake or proper, a big outside area in the past 12 months. How can that be? And it's, you know, I think the internet is is an amazing thing. You know, this podcast will be available on the internet for people to listen to. I access the internet on a daily basis. My blog is on the internet, but there's more to life than the internet. And I think that some kids, particularly the teenage generation that we've got that I see in school now that I'm trying to, coax my two toddlers away from a little bit are just so hell-bent on being screen kids and getting all of their information getting all of their entertainment worryingly from screens and not actually looking outside and thinking what else is in the world for me it wasn't cool for a while being sort of outside and being active almost wasn't cool it wasn't the done thing it wasn't something that people would go and do and think oh yeah i'll go and spend my weekend hiking yeah but I feel like in the last couple of years, it's almost coming back. We're almost going full circle yeah. slightly. Yeah, I've got a cracking couple of pictures. I posted one, I think, on Mother's Day. It might have just, I think it was on my Instagram account, of um, me in a ridiculous sort of knee-length wax jacket. Oh, oh you showed me that. About, <laughs> age about eight, um, with the biggest sort of leaden, heavy leather boots you've ever seen, as part of my mum's rambling group and you do look at that and you think you think the word ramblers and it just it breeds all sorts of uncoolness but I think you're right I think certainly over the last maybe five or so years I think the outdoors industry itself has woken up to how they can use social media for good and I think brands 
and companies involved in the outdoors are making the most of that. And, you know, if it means that they're going to design clothes that look a little bit cooler for teenagers, but they're also outdoor clothes that they can wear on hikes, then that's brilliant. And the more that companies and the outdoor industry and instructors and, and, and you know, visitor centres embrace that and try and encourage the younger generations to explore the outdoors, the benefits will be for all to see. I bet when you took your kids out on a hike, I bet they started before they were even walking, I bet you were carrying them out and about. How proud did you feel when you sort of got to show them? We had our trusty carrier. Um, <laughs> it's been through two kids now. So it's uh, we've still got it, actually. It's sort of like a, it feels like a family heirloom that we're not quite ready to let go of, even though our youngest hasn't been in it. Put it like part. a perspex yeah, box or something. Yeah. And we've had some, that, that carrier's seen some true adventures. It, it's seen mountains, it's seen lakes, it's also seen pooey nappies and what have you, <laughs> and screaming kids. But just being able to share the outdoors with, with our kids from a very young age, and that, that's how sort of the blog came around really, because we, we were always very outdoorsy, myself and my wife, Nat. And it was over a sort of a, a bottle of wine on a, on a Friday night and our eldest who is now five and a half was about six months old at the time and we sort of like looked at each other random conversations when was the last time we were outdoors when was the last time we were on a mountain on a lake paddling whatever and we couldn't think and it was like that that new parent thing had totally consumed us um, to the point where you know visitors were coming and wiping their hands with sterile wet wipes and, and stuff like that and we'd just become consumed in this new world with this new entity that we had to look after and we sort of over that bottle of wine made a, a pledge almost it sounds really cheesy but pledge that this kid isn't going to destroy us and we, we pledged then to get back our sort of old ways and our old passions and we just then, then felt well, we can do it alongside mm. the kid. Uh, the kid doesn't have to be sort of separate. We don't have to find a babysitter every, every time we want to go on a hike. And that's when we started sort of taking photos of it and mostly for well, for our memories yeah. at first. And then people started going, you're crazy, you're on Snowden with a kid and in a backpack and it's freezing. <laughs> and we did, I'll be honest, we, we've, I've written before and then because I had to keep my mouth shut at the time. Um, I remember one of the, the hills that I can see just over the hedge in the background behind us, uh, Mulvama in the uh, on the Cluidian Range, and we were up there for a sunrise hike one evening, both kids, and our youngest was probably, I'm guessing around nine or ten months old at the time, and she used to have an afternoon nap, and this day she had another afternoon nap, and it was cold, but she had layers on. She had a, she had, she had a baby down jacket on, for God's sake. And we passed this group of, dare I say it, elderly ramblers. And because she was crying, we knew she was crying because she was tired. And we were actually coming back from where we'd been. We were on the way back to the car. And quite loud enough for us, obviously, to hear, and it was clearly said for, for effect, was those parents putting their kids at risk just because they fancy a walk sort of attitude. And I was fuming. My wife's hand literally went on my forearm. Don't say anything. Mm. And I was just like, you don't know the context behind it. You don't know that she hasn't had a nap. She's warm. Feel her head. Feel her hands. You know, she's got huge down mitts on. Um, and I think sometimes that's what parents, particularly of young kids like ours, are fighting against in the outdoors. They're fighting against the perception 
that the outdoors is always difficult. The outdoors doesn't have to be difficult. There are trails out there for everybody. There are, you know, clothing. If we can clothe our kids to, to stay dry and stay warm, even in winter, then anybody can. And it's, mm. it's just this perception that parents like us sometimes endanger our children. And I think it's, for a lot of parents, it's, it's scaremongering. And other parents see it as, particularly if they're not raised like I was by my mum, uh, so to, so to sort of be outdoorsy. It's very easy to see why other parents don't spend much time outside, with particularly young kids. I think one good thing about the internet, and we've touched on it before, but you just mentioned sort of starting your blog of that bottle of wine, which I thought was really nice. It kind of sounds like the blog almost holds you accountable yeah to keep doing stuff yeah i think i think definitely now and i think the best thing i did with the blog and it's it, it's the least sort of showy thing because it's right behind the scenes i set up a a community um group on facebook linked to the facebook page and through that we just it's literally started off as knowing people i knew um family members in-laws close friends who had kids sort of a similar age to our kids and because we were experienced outdoors and we knew lots of trails and we could felt comfortable guiding them, we used to invite them along and, and take, you know, take people out with us, take other families out with us. And then they obviously, it's a bit of a snowball effect. They get talking to other people and other people then start wanting to come out on walks with you because they don't necessarily know many walks in the area. And suddenly we've got this little community that we've, that we've developed and we take people out all over the place. So, and and it's brilliant as well because the more we've taken families out the more I've got involved mostly I'll admit with, with other dads other dads who've maybe felt that their past activities are long behind them now that they've had kids and they're, they're sort of like having to forgo things that they previously did and now I take out other, other dads and literally this Saturday morning uh, we'll be setting off around about half two three o'clock in the morning <laughs> to do a Snowden sunrise this, this Saturday morning with some dads and that again, you know, we'll be leaving the house at half one, two o'clock in the morning. We'll be back by half ten. Mm. Still got the day to spend with the family, okay? Might be a little bit tired. <laughs> yeah, but it, it's brilliant. And this this element of the blog, it's re-energised us because we get to meet other people. We love nothing more than going out and sharing our passion of the outdoors with other, with other parents and other families. And our, I'll be honest as well, our kids are so much easier when there's other kids there. They are just, they'll play. It, it, it doesn't become sort of a walk to them. And we'll try and we'll try and engage them with activities. And we've got a little, you know, a, a bunch of games up off sleeve for when they're out and about. But when there's other kids there and they just play in our little boys, like pretending to be a dinosaur in between the trees on a hike and it's with other kids, it's just brilliant to watch. Do you see people then that have had kids and their life just totally changes and they don't change it back? I think so, yeah. I, I think a lot of people would argue against that. Um, and I think, to a certain degree, it's inevitable. Our lives have definitely changed. We don't do all of the things that, that we used to. We used to have, you know, a passion for all sorts of things. We used to travel to some crazy places and that obviously has to take a bit of a back seat. Finances, one, you know, kids cost a lot of money and... You know, jobs that you have to sort of hold down and secure, particularly when you've got other little people depending on you. So I think there is a there's a definite, you know, it's a it's a foregone conclusion. Your life will change, but I think some parents, and I'm not having a go at parents, but I think some people just allow it to sort of with this general malaise to allow it to happen to them without sort of 
fighting for what they were previously passionate for. And I'm a strong believer in that if you fight for what you're passionate for and you keep that up for as long as possible, you're going to instill that in your kids. And your kids will find passion in things, whether it's the same thing as you or not. I don't care whether... I would love my kids, obviously, to, to forge some sort of you know future in the outdoors and keep up this passion for life. But if they choose to you know, have a passion for music or languages or the arts, I don't particularly care. But I think as long as they see their parents, me and that, following our passions and trying to get them passionate about something, they'll hopefully do the same mm-hmm. in whatever they choose to follow. And I just think there's so many parents these days that don't and sort of give up a little bit too early how did becoming a dad change you oh my word um, <laughs> takes a sip of tea yeah <laughs> massively um i i was an only child um typical selfish only child syndrome um and just from the point of view of having to actually care about somebody else in terms of getting them ready, getting them washed. And it was difficult. It's a big transition period being a dad, particularly, I think, for me as a, as a sort of spoiled only child. <laughs> um, do you know what? Once that transitioning, and it is, you do have tough days, um, but once that transitioning sort of through, it is just the best thing in the world. As I've said, it, it's, it has stopped us from doing certain things, but we've adapted and we do things differently now. And the things that we do now that maybe aren't as big as the things that we used to do in terms of adventure are actually more enjoyable because we share them. Mm. We share them as a family and that is miles better to us than anything previously that we did solo or as a couple. I think the memories are always going to be there for you as a family as well. Mm. And that's another brilliant thing about social media, about Instagram Mm -hmm. and things of the like. That's just going to act as a massive photo album when the kids are a little bit older. And a very good photo album as well. You take some sick photos, man. (laughs) I want to talk about like highlights for you, highlights on mountains, days that you've really remembered. Is there any certain hikes, certain days, certain routes that stick out in your mind? Yeah, um, one would be the first time we took, took our little boy up Snowden. In his, in his carrier, uh, probably was about nine months old, ten months old at the time. Um, grim day as well it was. <laughs> you know, the odd few wallies would go snowed in shorts in all sorts of weathers. It was it was a pretty grim day. Um, but it was just our first time up Snowden. I remember coming back down, found a huge rock um, just off the side of the trail. And um, we came back down. Come back down. We went went up the. It was a long walk. Went up the uh, walking path, down the pig, and then round for people who know the trail. Round the the riverbank, past the Penna Pass, following the river, back to uh, back to the walking path. And um, I remember finding this huge boulder. And we just got a picnic blanket out. Got Jesse out of his uh, out of his carrier. We just sat on this huge boulder, just sipping coffee. And it was just. It just seemed so simple, and yet. We were a million miles away from work. We were a million miles away from, you know, paying bills. We were a million miles away from mortgages. We were just enjoying each other's company in the great outdoors. So that would definitely be one. There's another one that's not family related. A good few years ago now, uh, took a group of mostly sixth form, although there were some year 11 students from the um, previous school I worked at. I took them to Tanzania for a month on an expedition and part of that expedition was uh, spending seven days climbing Kilimanjaro and we were at Kibo which for people who know the mountain is um, the last stop before the summit push you arrive there sort of late afternoon if 
for your summit push about midnight and one of the lads, um, lovely, lovely lad, who's, bearing in mind the story I'm about to tell, will remain nameless, <laughs> um, suddenly came to me holding this bag looking absolutely green. And it was just like, so, so what can I do with these? I was like, what are they? He says, pooey pants. I was like, oh my God. And whatever he'd eaten on the mountain that day had just caused the worst mountain diarrhea I'd certainly ever seen. And the poor lad, you know, 16, 17, away from home, possibly for the first time. And he just looked at me like I was sort of his dad, handing me, and this was before I was a dad as well, handing me these absolutely poo-soaked pants, <laughs> right, thinking that I'd know what to do with them. And I was like, oh, oh my God. And that memory will always stick, in me, stick with me just because, I know it sounds really stupid, I'm clearly not even related to the kid, but... It was I, that was a bonding moment mm. that was, and again that was because of where we were. It was what we were doing. It was that sense of adventure that, right? We'll we'll sort this out. Don't worry about it. I spoke to a lot of people now that spend a lot of time outdoors. Lots of mountaineers. Every mountaineer has a story about poo. Yeah. <laughs> Every yeah. single one of them. It doesn't matter if it was their poo, someone else's poo, or an animal's poo. Yeah. Every single one has a story about poo. The first story though, you mentioned something about being removed from everything. Mm. And I think sometimes when you're outdoors, I, I definitely feel this, and I'm sure you do as well, that cleanliness in your mind, that complete release of everything, how does that help mental health? I think it's huge for mental health. I think, you know, the statistics are that mental health issues are, are growing, um, whether that's, you know, some people might argue that we're getting better at diagnosing them. I think, yes, we are. I couldn't disagree with that, but I think also the way that society is and the pressures of modern day society is definitely impacted on the numbers of people that we've got now suffering from mental health conditions and I think it's proven you know doctors up and down the country are actually prescribing time outdoors the well-being the the, the gentle activity even a walk can provide is remarkable um, I myself uh, a couple of years ago uh, well no, three years ago uh, suffered um, from some anxiety and it got to a stage where I needed some time off work. Um, and at the time, it was to me like the worst thing that I'd ever been through. I, I felt like I couldn't leave the house. So for people to tell me to get outside was actually really difficult. Mm. It was sort of like the last thing I wanted to do. But actually doing it in a very gentle, in a gentle way, just little bits at a time, even if it was just 15 minutes at the beginning, building it up, building it up, and slowly but surely my confidence returned. Since then, I've spent quite a bit of time. Um, we actually, we actually through we came through the community group organised uh, for some dads, all of whom at some point in their life had suffered some sort of mental health condition, however mild, whether it was just a sort of a very mild depression or you know panic attacks, anxiety. And we went to Priest Toll Cave in the uh, in the Lake District for a night. Uh, we hiked up and. Um, over there, we, we just sat and we, we got the camera roll, made a bit of a video out of it, but it was brilliant. We just sat around talking about our experiences of mental health, how we'd all had this sort of common shared experience, but also how the outdoors had helped us. And the, the common thing was that just being outside, gentle exercise, being active, away from, because it's that transportative nature and quality that the outdoors gives you to get away from everything and providing you with that gentle bit of exercise 
the common theme was that that was the thing that we all felt was the most beneficial to us mm. in, in sort of overcoming our demons. The hardest bit is getting out the door, yeah. doing it with trainers and actually getting out the door. And I'm sure there's still times where you get home from work now where you're knackered, you've had a real hard day at work and you're just like, you know that it's going to help, but you just don't want to go. You don't want to yeah. do it. Yeah, and that, it, it's, that first, it's that first step that is, is definitely most difficult. And for people, again, who aren't who haven't been raised to be active or haven't been raised to be outdoorsy, I can only imagine how difficult it is for them. But if they could just take that first step and, like I say, 10, 15, 20 minutes at a time, just after work, you know, look at the, the, the sun setting behind us now. It's an absolutely beautiful evening. What better than, rather than dumping yourself down on a, on a comfy settee and, you know, chilling out some Coronation Street as good as some people think that is, <laughs> you know, to go and watch a sunset, you know, to, to have a, a tea or a coffee outside, you know, in a flask, to, to walk through a woodland or around a lake, it doesn't matter what you're doing. It's, again, it's just that transportative thing that you can do to cure those workday blues. I, I'm lucky and I genuinely love my job. I'm a teacher and I, I genuinely love, the, love teaching, but I have, I have bad days. I have really busy days. And for me, the the best cure always is to just reset my body, reset my mind, take everything away by going outside a little mm. bit. If you were going to take those people that you're talking to now, come on, get, get out, get outside. If you're going to take them on one route Oof. to show them, show them what it's all about. One route for beginners, I would take them, bearing in mind they are non-outdoorsy people and they're probably not going to be very fit. I would take them to somewhere like Aberfalls, in uh, over in Snowdonia uh, near Abergwyn Gregan it's a really accessible path in fact the, the main path will take a wheelchair um, or a pram um, it's three and a half miles there and back to the waterfall but you get to the waterfall at the halfway point the turning point and it is one of the most stunning waterfalls in Britain you know it's it's got to be 65 70 meters high I guess and cascading down over the with the Carnedi range at the back and it is just absolutely stunning. There's otters, um, if you're lucky enough to see them early in the morning in the, in the river that it plunges into at the bottom. Um, it's a definite favourite for, for the kids of ours. So if I was going to take some newbies out, mm. that would definitely be somewhere like that. It makes you feel so small. Yeah. I've talked to, to people about this before, like how vast everything is a lot of the time, particularly in somewhere like Snowdonia or the Lake District. And I think people get scared at that because I say, oh, like if I'm feeling rubbish, me personally, I'll get on the bike and I'll cycle down from Chester to Bala yeah. and then I'll keep going up past the lakes and down to Trusfeather. Yeah. And there's a certain part on that route where you drop down into a V-shaped valley and you're on a bike and you're looking up and you're thinking good lord this is massive yeah. and i'm so small i think people get scared of that feeling but actually that's a good feeling because yeah. it just makes you think yeah like why do my problems matter yeah as much as local woodlands local parks are beautiful and brilliant on a on a day-to-day -day basis if you can just on the odd weekend get in your car drive down to to your nearest national park whether that be snowdonia which it is for us the peak district lake district as you say to see the vastness of, of these places um, and to see their natural beauty, the, you know, the glacier, where the glaciers have retreated you know, millions of years ago to leave these huge crags and these lakes uh, uh, all over the place. And you feel 
so so small. It's, it's and it's but it's so awe inspiring to to feel that small. I know it sounds like a contradiction in terms, but to feel that small in a sort of an amphitheatre. I'm thinking like somewhere like now, like uh, being near Clean Edwell, uh, uh, in Cum Edwell, and uh, looking up at Agarn and Trifan and it's one of my Penarol favourite places and, in the world. Right and now. looking up at the, at the amphitheatre, Devil's Kitchen, that surrounds the lake. And it is just an absolutely brilliant feeling to, to feel so small and around those granite giants. It's it's brilliant. Is there somewhere that you'd like to go? I know you said like the UK is amazing. Would you like to go and experience somewhere? Undoubtedly, I'd love to uh, to explore the Himalayas. Love to explore the Himalayas. I haven't got <laughs> the technical know-how yet. to do the, to do yet to do the to do the giants, but I would love to see the giants up close i'd love to go and you know maybe to to pakistan and see the karakoram or to, to nepal and sort of the the everest area just to see again for that for that perspective of this is planet earth this is what we were meant to see we weren't necessarily meant to sit on a motorway for half an hour every day like i do or mm. every, every day for twice a day um and just see boring flat you know, nondescript landscapes. The earth is full of these beautiful places. So yeah, it would, it would have to be somewhere like Nepal or, or Pakistan. I think it's very obvious that you've got a huge passion for the earth. Mm. You yeah. really love the earth. Yeah, it's a very special place. We we just it's something I've. God, I feel like I'm getting really old now. But <laughs> it's something I never thought of as I was as I was younger. But life is very short, and it we are just very short finite beings who are lucky enough to have a run on this beautiful place of ours for a very very you know in the in the if we put it in perspective of how old the earth is we are like just like a blink of an eye our lifetime so for us to just stay in our nine to fives and i work a nine to five so i'm not sort of moaning about you know people who just work nine to five but for us to only limit ourselves to a nine to five job to limit ourselves to a a motorway journey twice a day to limit ourselves to our local town centres and our, you know, as the shops or the shops are available. Um, <laughs> it's just, it's mind-blowingly numbing for me that, that there's so many beautiful opportunities out there all around us and all over the earth for, for us not to want to see them before, you know, we close our eyes for the final time just seems a travesty of the biggest order someone once said to me create a highlight reel yes absolutely big thanks to david for coming on why in the world if you want to find out more about his blog potty adventures just pop it into google and all of the different pages will pop up there it's really cool to see his passion and his wife's passion for the outdoors and adventure being shared with the next generation